So we're here in Chicago. Well, we're in Chicago. We didn't get to play that for some reason. It's having a little tef technical difficulty. We had a little video to show you about something that's going on in our world here in the United States. That young man there that you've seen on the screen is a man that has been going around in the different major cities of America and beginning to spark revival out in California. They've already baptized over a 1,000 people in the ocean on a beach. Can you imagine that? Just uh, went into Oregon and thousands and thousands of Christians came out where the rioters were out riding and they were out in massive force praising and magnifying the Lord. And uh, they went to 12 different major cities. They ended up in Chicago. And when they got there, there was great resistance by the law officers. And they said that everyone that shows up will be put in jail for coming out into the park to sing and to worship. Now, can you imagine that here in the United States? You might want to look that video up a little bit later. If you would, throw my text back up if you're not having te technical difficulties there in that area as well. If they can, let them put the text back up. And let's read it one more time. We kind of got out of order. That was my fault. And you, has he quickened, who is dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had in our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and by, na or by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who's rich in his mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us. Hallelujah. I love that. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. And has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Okay, we're going to be talking a little bit here in this passage of Scripture just for a moment. And I do want to thank each and every one of you that have been faithful and given your offerings as you come in. We're not passing the buckets during the offering time because of the pandemic. We want to try to not touch as much as we can. But nevertheless, we want you to be aware of those that you that may be here, first-time visitors or someone that's not been able to pay their tithe and offering. You can drop it in any of the boxes right by the exits here in the sanctuary. But this morning, I, wanna, I want us to see what I call an a oxymoron in Scripture. Now, an oxymoron is a self-contradiction to illustrate a radical point or reveal a paradox. When you look at our text, we see that it appears that the Apostle Paul, when writing to the, book, writing to the Ephesians, uh, that he makes a contradictive statement. Have you ever thought that the Scripture ever contradicts itself? Well, first of all, in verse 2 of verse 6, he calls the devil the prince and the power of the air. Yet in verse 6, he proclaims uh, that we as believers have been raised up together into the heavenlies uh, to dwell with Christ Jesus. Verse 2, look at it. It says, we're in, in times past, uh, you walked according to the course of this world, according to, here it is, the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Here in this scripture, it is evident that he called the devil, the God of this world, the prince and the power of the air. But then in verse six, he says, but he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, talking about us as believers. One minute he says that the devil is the prince and the power of the air 
air. He is the one that controls or sets the atmosphere because he has power over the heavens. Yet on the other hand, he proclaims that the believer has been elevated into the heavenly realm to set with Jesus Christ. And it seems here that the apostle Paul contradicts his own statement and that his remarks did not even have sound reasoning at all. Yet even though his remarks may seem to lead to a conclusion that seems senseless and logically unacceptable or self-contradictive because how can the devil be the prince and the power of the air speaking of authority and power and he has the power to set an atmosphere while at the very same time the believers dwell with Christ in that same atmosphere. How can that happen? How can the devil have power and authority in the heavenly realm and yet we are sitting in that same heavenly realm with Christ Jesus? I ask you a question here today. Is the devil in charge or are we in charge? Is the devil in control or are we in control? Does the devil have authority over us or do we have the authority to cast down strongholds? Is the body of Christ crowned with dominion, empowered by the Holy Spirit, anointed of the Holy Ghost or not? Do we not have power to pull down strongholds in high places? Are we victors or are we, are, are, are we victors or are we just victims of circumstances controlled by the elements created by the prince and the power of the air. The prince and the power of the air according to Paul in verse 1 and 2 reveals that he causes people to walk according to the course of this world. And he has the power to cause men to fulfill the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind which speaks that he's able to control their thinking, that he's able also to manipulate their knowledge and he's also uh, he's also able to control their imagination, that it's all about image and knowledge, the thinking process. So we can see that the devil can, if we're not careful, have power to come and mess with your mind. He influences them to be disobedient and to become the children of wrath. That's what the apostle Paul said. It's all under the influence of the enemy that this is, this is caused upon mankind. But this is all caused by him controlling the atmosphere and putting in the minds of men and women that he is God and that he is in control. That's what the devil would like for all of us to think. He causes people to think that evil is more powerful than righteousness. He tries to cause people to think that the things of the flesh is more pleasurable and more powerful than the things of the spirit. That's what the enemy would try to get us to buy into. The devil has blinded the minds and the eyes of people and he, he has caused them to believe that there is no hope, that nothing will ever change and that evil will always prevail. Many a church people have bought into this lie as well. I've heard it, if I've heard it once, I've probably heard it a thousand or two thousand times in my ministry where people say, well, I just can't live it. I just can't live it. I just can't live this Christian life. In other words, what they are proclaiming is that evil is more powerful than righteousness, that the devil is more powerful than God. Yet on the other hand, the apostle Paul in verse six, he speaks of the risen Christ and that you and I are seated together with him in these heavenlies and verse seven says that he promises that the riches of God's grace will be revealed through us. Does you not understand what he just said? He said because you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the riches of my grace is gonna be revealed through you as a believer. Ephesians 3 and 20 backs that up. It says that God is able to do exceedingly 
exceedingly abundantly above anything that we're even able to ask or think by how? By the power that worketh mightily within us. So I want you to look at this oxymoron with me and I want you to understand what's taking place and what does all of this mean. So what which is true here today? Does the devil have authority and can he control atmospheres and blind and control people through his manipulation? Paul says that's possible. Paul says that it can happen. But on the other hand, is it Christ on the throne and in charge? Is it the devil in charge or is it Christ that's in charge? And is, and is the body of Christ that sits with him, do we not represent him and operate in his full authority, speak in his name in the earth? Is there not power in the name of Jesus or not? I want to ask you, is there power in the name of Jesus or not? Are we free? Are we free here today or are we bound by the atmosphere set by the devil and controlled by the set of events that he creates within the heavenlies? Is that all we're here to do? It's just to respond to those things that the devil creates in the atmosphere and that we just war with whatever he dishes out? Are we puppets that march to whatever drum beat the prince of the power of the air happens to create? Is that what we're doing here today? Are we just responders? Are we just reactors that sit around here and everything the devil dishes out, we try to figure out how to respond to it? Is that what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing? Is that what we as a church, is that really our fight? Is that really our struggle? Is that, is that what spiritual warfare is all about? I submit to you that is not what spiritual warfare warfare is about. And before this service is over, we're going to show you what true spiritual warfare is. Are we children of God or are we not? Say amen if we're children of God. Has God given us power to become the sons of God or not? Can I have an amen? I want to tell you, are we not led by the Spirit operating in the anointing and doing the great exploits that God has called us to do? How many believes that greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father? Can I have an, Can somebody get in this sermon with me here today? Can I have an amen? Well, glory, hallelujah. There's no doubt that our nation is in trouble. It's 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 troubled morally and politically and racially. And the reason that it is because really we are bankrupt spiritually. And if we were healthy spiritually, we would not be in trouble morally nor politically, nor would we be racially. We are living in the most crucial time in American's history. Do you not know that? We are living right now at one of the most crucial times in all of the history of America. Violence and rioting are devastating many of our cities. We are dealing with unprecedented global pandemic. Landmark court cases have shifted our culture landscape away from God. We've already got now same-sex marriages. Can you believe that that's happened in our lifetime? Cities are defunding police. In many places they're changing the law to where it's an, uh, that an assault on a police officer has become a misdemeanor instead of even a felony. Can you imagine that's taking place right here in America? America. In California, they're trying to soften the penalty on pedophiles who have sex with children due to the common practice of some of the most upper higher elite in Hollywood. Our very constitution is being challenged and it's in trouble right now. Segments of our very government is attempting to whittle away at our religious freedoms to assemble and even to worship. Mass rioters can do can whatever they want to do. They can loot, they can destroy, 
destroy, they can burn our cities in the name of protest and not one thing is done to them. But for religious groups to assemble in churches or in the park, they're faced with heavy fines and jail time. If you've not been paying attention, you need to be paying attention to where your religious liberties are going right here, right now in America. The city of Chicago has launched a series of attacks against Elam Romanian Pentecostal Church and Logos Baptist Ministries. The city actually threatened them with what they call summary abatement. According to Illinois' law, it is a notification that the city intends to seize, and not only seize, but destroy property it deems to be a nuisance. And due to these churches and ministries continuing to preach the word of God and assemble and worship the Lord, the churches in Illinois that is being picked on are declared a public nuisance and the law is not only going to take their property away from them but destroy their property. Now, can you imagine this is going on? On July the 13th of this year, California banned all worship, including home Bible studies and fellowships. They're telling you that you can't even have worship in your own home. They're telling you that you can't have Bible studies in your own home. They're telling you you can't go to a church and assemble and worship. On September the 2nd, the city of San Francisco issued a chilling letter to the Lighthouse Church where the pastors got grit and standing up against them. And they said, stop worshiping or face abatement. They may kick me out of this building. They may take the building away, but they'll find Kent Miller preaching on some street corner somewhere, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hallelujah. They'll find us out in a field. They'll find us on on a ball field somewhere, but we'll have church. Just let me get the doodads out of my system for a minute. Hallelujah. Well, glory. Somebody better shout with me right here for a moment. Well, these are just a few of the hundreds upon hundreds. I could take all day long of attacks that is taking place against the churches and the people of God right here in America. And there's no doubt that secular forces are hard at work to take God out of everything. So I ask again, who's in charge? Are we or are they? And what can we do about all of this that's coming down the pike? Do we just tolerate it? Do we just sit around, well, what will be, will be. Do we just sit passively and think, well, there's nothing we can do about it. What is, what is our problem? And can you and I do anything about it whatsoever? That's the question I'm asking you. Are we just to sit here and respond? to whatever the devil dishes out in the atmosphere, him being the prince of the power of the air? Are we just going to be responders to circumstances? Or are we going to storm the gates of hell and make havoc on the kingdom of darkness? That's the question I am challenging this congregation today. Are we going to have revival or not? Are we going to have a divine awakening or not? Are we going to be free or not? Can I have an amen? Are we going to exercise our faith or not? Are we, going to be, are we going to manifest the Son of God on earth or not? Are we going to operate in the anointing or not? Are we going to have signs, wonders, and divers, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost or not? Are we going to be led by the Spirit or not? Are we going to bind together as a church or not? We better be making up our mind because it's coming down the pike.
Randy West always said the things that's happening to our president and the forces against him is nothing but a foretaste if they take him out of what they're going to do to the church because they blame the church for that man getting elected. You can count on this. Like the rising of the sun, when you hold God's funeral in a society, someone will arise and take his place. Did you hear that? I'm gonna say that again. I'm gonna say it. You can count on this like the rising of the sun. When you hold God's funeral in a society and take him out of society, someone will always rise to take his place. We are losing control. We no longer have order in our country. Have you noticed that? And who is the God of chaos? The devil's the God of chaos. God is a God of order, and everything that he does is decency and in order. Before the days of Caesar, go back to the Roman Empire. Before the days of Caesar, the Senate could not even keep order. Armed gangs terrorized the city of Rome, and normal processes of government were disrupted as rivals fought for power. Self-interest became more significant than social interest. And in desperation, the people accepted authoritarian government. And I ask you today, does that not sound familiar of what's taking place here? And is that where we're not headed in America? Right here in our own nation, we are witnessing a complete breakdown of law and order. Justice is falling in the streets. Many of the prosecutors and politicians who have been appointed to maintain civil peace, they're cowardly bowing down to this mob that is out here rioting. Can I have an amen? They would rather keep, they would rather keep criminals safe by creating so-called cities of refuge than to keep us safe from the criminals. It does not even make sense. They're trying to destroy democracy as we know it and form an authoritarian government because it's all about power. An authoritarian government is all about the rule of authority and it's not about being a public servant. The government is no longer about being for the people in a government by the people, but it's all about the people serving the government instead of the government serving the people. They're wanting government control to form a dictatorship where the people work for the government instead of the government working for the people. So why is all this going on and what are we to do about it? The prophet Elijah lived in such desperating times. During his uh, lifetime, his country had turned away from God, allowing idolatry and sinfulness to run rapid. And I want to tell you, they were controlled by an evil king by the name of Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Yet God called Elijah to do something about it and not just sit around and fight the elements of circumstance. I refuse to come in here and always fight about, well, this one's six, this is happening, this is being torn out. And I'm tired of being a reactor to the atmosphere that the devil has created. They're nothing but distractions and it's time that you and I get wise and understand how to combat the forces of hell. Can I have an amen? It's one of the most heaviest sermons that have been placed on my heart in a while. I've got a question for the palace of praise. Are we going to be reactors or are we going to be initiators? Are we just going to sit around and wrestle and fight, oppose, struggle, war against whatever the atmosphere dishes out to us? Are we going to be the pace setters and change the atmosphere? Did you hear what I said? Are we going to rise up or not? Notice what Elijah done that was a change player in all of this. James 5 and 17 says, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. 
And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the faith, faith, space of the earth for three years and six months, three and a half years. The first thing that I want us to see is without an excuse for what take, we are without an excuse for what takes place on the earth that is not in the will of God. The will of God should be done on earth, and we his representatives are to make sure to it. Amen? Can somebody help me here? God has trusted us to be his ambassadors on the earth, the priest of the earth, to make sure that his will in heaven be done on earth. That's why we're here. That's why you exist. That's why you're a part of the kingdom. That's why you've been born into the kingdom of God, to be a pace setter, a hell raiser. Come on, somebody help me preach. You and I have got an authority and a dominion and an anointing to pull down the strongholds that is coming over our city and our nation. The Bible says that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elijah was not superhuman. I want you to know Elijah wasn't a superhero endowed with special giftedness and abilities. Elijah wasn't a super spiritual man empowered and endowed with special qualities and abilities and assets. He wasn't a giant. He wasn't a half angel. He wasn't created in any different form than you and I are. You know what Elijah was? He was a common, ordinary Joe. He was a common, ordinary man just like you and I are. Can I have an amen? There wasn't nothing special about him. Yet he changed the climate and the atmosphere of his generation. He dared to make a difference as a man of God. If one man can take on the nation of Israel, if one man can take on a king, if one man can take on the bell God of that day, surely you and I, being a representative of about a thousand members of the palace of praise, we can rise up and take this country by storm. You believe that with me? Elijah was not intimidated by the forces that was being empowered, set by the culture of his day. Oh, yeah, he had a bad culture to deal with, just like you and I did. Instead of Elijah just sitting around fighting, warring, opposing, struggling, and wrestling with the effects of idol worship and a backslidden nation, Elijah chose to do something about it. You know what? Elijah chose to make a difference. I choose as a leader to challenge this body to make a difference. I challenge you. Elijah chose to stand up and not just be a reactor to the present circumstances and to the things that the society just dished out to him, but Elijah refused to be distracted by what the devil was doing and what the devil was actually pouring out. And he began to manifest the will of God in earth by changing the climate and the atmosphere over it. Elijah just says, this may be going on, but I'm not reacting to that. I'm acting out what God's will is in heaven as though it's going to be done on earth. Are you listening to me? What did Elijah do? He called for a drought, and he challenged the God of fertility, the God of Baal. The God of Baal that was being worshipped during the time of Elijah, he came in many different forms. He was not only known as the sun god, but the universal God of fertility. And, and his universal name, the God of Baal, you know what his universal name was? Prince. Doesn't that sound familiar? What is the God of this world's name? The Prince and the power of the air. Baal was considered to be the Lord or the Prince of the earth. 
Elijah has faced the same forces back then that you and I are facing right now. Amen? And he's also called, this God of Baal was also called the Lord of rain and dew, representing the two forms of moisture that was indispensable for fertile soil in Canaan. There could be no fertility without water, so Elijah cut off the water supply. So what does this mean? Elijah shut down the power of the worldly prince Baal. The church has the power to shut down the powers of the prince of the power of the air. If you believe that, stand to your feet and give God glory. If you really believe that, Hallelujah. You gotta believe it. You are the authority of God. You are crowned with dominion. You're anointed of God. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're victorious. You are a child of God. Act like it in this place. Give him praise. Give him a shout. You may be seated. Elijah shut down the power of the worldly prince, Baal. For three and one half years, it did not rain because Elijah prayed earnestly. He got a rain of word from God and called a drought, which stripped Baal of his productivity. Isn't that wonderful? Did you hear what he done? By Elijah calling out no rain, he was actually confronting and challenging this so-called God of Baal. The very thing that was happening in Elijah's day is what you and I are faced with right here and right now. Are we going to be like Elijah or not? Bell worship included, child sacrifice, which is equivalent to our modern day abortion. Amen? Oh. Bell worship included sexual immorality, prostitution, homosexuality, and orgies. King Ahab's own Jezebel had Nabal killed, you knew that, and took over his vineyard to give it to a gift for her husband Ahab. It is said in history that the garden was made into a garden of sexual fantasies where all kinds of sexual immorality took place where both Ahab and Jezebel participated together in that kind of immorality. Right now, here in America, they're trying to not only soften, but in some cases, in some states, totally eliminate any laws that protect underage sex with children. Folks, it's happening. Why are you getting quiet? Right now, they're trying to release known pedophiles from prison, giving them the right to vote as if we had enforcedly put them in prison for wrongdoing, for us being wrong in doing so, and they're trying to make it a law to where it is going to be a law to where you can have consensual sex with underage children. If the child wants to, it's okay. We need to wake up and see the spiritual application that's taking place right here in our nation and what it is that we're fighting. Bell worship also included the worship of trees and nature. We gotta look around, we got some real tree freaks around here, amen? They're saying out in California when a deer hunter goes out, they're going out with things rattling, bang, 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 to try to drive the deer away because they're the worshipers of nature. 
Paul said it would happen in Romans 1.25 who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature and the creation more than the creator who's blessed forever, amen. I wish I could preach on some of these things. One of the main things that he was involved in that was involved in Baal worship was that they would erect altars to Baal and sacrifice upon them in high places under evergreen trees where they could be comfortable within the shade. Now, one of the things I want you to understand, now hang with me, did you notice where they erected these altars? Where did they do it? In high places. Who's the prince in the power of the air and where is he at? In high places. The warfare that is common to us right now in the church is not a warfare right here on the earth like you and I think, but it's a warfare in high places. It's a warfare in the heavenlies. It's a warfare in high places, folks. And these high places, they would not only burn sacrifice, child sacrifices, worship to God, but a big part of the worship involved fortune telling, enchantment, praying to the dead, familiar spirits, witchcraft, mediums, and communion with the, dark, with, with the demonic world. That's what they would do, empowered by demonics. A black, conservative Christian man by the name of Abram Hamilton III. He hosts what is called the Hamilton Corner, great mighty, mighty man of God. On the socially conservative American family radio is, what he, what, is where he's at. He devoted August 19th episode of his program to highlighting the Black Lives Matter movement to witchcraft. Hang with me. You can get mad at me if you want to, but I'm gonna preach. Hamilton, this black conservative Christian man revealed that Black Lives Matter movement was not merely another social justice advocacy organization as many think. But instead, he argues, that it is a religious and spiritual movement. Now watch. Hamilton, who serves as the American Family Association public policy analyst, and he began the podcast by criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement as Marxist, anti-Christ, anti-family, and anti-man. It's a feminist group as well, and it's an organization that's ran by this kind of spirit. Now, that's some harsh words, and there were some hard accusations, aren't they? But he said, what we are witnessing is a copy-paste of the Bolshevik revolution from Russia being applied into American context. He reminded his listeners that Patricia Cullors, one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, described herself with her own words. She said, I am a trained Marxist. That's what she said out of her own mouth. Listen to Cullors' own quote. I am calling for spirituality to be deeply radical. We're not just having a social justice movement here. This is a spiritual movement. That's what she says, the co-founder. Hamilton, this great black Christian mighty man of God, he played an audio from a Zoom-type conversation between this callers, who's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, and a doctor by the name of Melina Abdullah. Melina is a professor of American studies at California State University in Los Angeles. And according to Hamilton, she was the one that founded the L.A. chapter of the Black Lives Matter group. And listen to what she said. We have become very intimate with the spirits that we call on regularly. 
Each of them seems to have a different presence and a different personality. You know, I laugh a lot with Waukesha. I didn't meet her in body, right? I met her through this work. This Waukesha mentioned by Abdullah refers to Waukesha Wilson, an African-American woman who was found dead in a Los Angeles jail back in 2016. Here we see that the Black Lives Matter leaders are summoning the spirit of the dead and using the power of the spirits in order to give them ability to do what they're called, what they what they call so-called justice work. This is not just a opinion or an observation made by Mr. Hamilton, but callers out of her own mouth said this: We are resurrecting the spirits so they can work through us to get the work that we need to get it done. She went on to say, I started to feel personally connected and responsible and accountable to them, both from a deeply political place, but also from a deep spiritual place. She admitted two things, that this is not only spiritual, but it's also political. So we have politics that's involved in witchcraft. Go find out who's backing them. Find out which side's backing them, folks. There's only one way to vote, whether you like them or not. I just stirred up the devil this morning. Colors went on and said, it is so important not just for us to be in direct relationship to our people who have passed, but also for them to know that we're remembering them. I believe so many of them are working through us. Abdullah said, the first thing people do when they hear about murder is pray and poor libration, talking about them. We built with the community where the person's life is actually stolen. Now the word libration that she means here is a drink poured out to an offering as a deity. Now we got idolatry taking place. Are you listening? She went on to say, I took almost a year for me to realize that this movement is much more than a radical and social justice movement. At its core, it is a spiritual movement because we're literally standing on spilled blood. Oh my goodness. The woman proceeded to discuss the meaning behind one of the most common chants associated with the Black Lives Matter movement. You've heard it many times and I didn't know what it was. I was watching the news one day and the whole thing erupted and said, say her name, say her name, say her name. And then you'd hear them on a different occasion, say his name, say it referring to the people that have been killed that they're riding for. How many has heard that? Raise your hands. All kinds of people have heard it. Abdullah said, when we say the names right, so we speak their names, we say her name, we say their names, we do that all the time that you kind of invoke that spirit and then those spirits actually become present with you. The common belief among the Black Lives Matter group is they believe that the names of the folks that they are saying have become ancestral gods. So what they're saying is that when someone's killed, they all get together, say their name, and the more they say their name, the more they're invoking that spirit to come upon them, and then that spirit associates with them and empowers them to get whatever they want done, done upon the earth. And they think that they're ancestral gods. Color said spirituality is at the center of Black Lives Matter. That's what the own co-founder has said. Now, you know what the Apostle Paul said about such nonsense, and I can't quote all the scriptures because we don't have time. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know what else he said in 1 Timothy 4 and 3? Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the face given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with their hot iron. They can't even discern what's right or wrong. 2 Timothy 3 and 13 even says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what's taking place. Other things being seen among the Black Lives Matters is the burning of Bibles. You can tell what religion they're against. They're also seen burning incense out of worship. And they're also invoking the spirits from the dead. What's going on right now in front of our face, both in the political and spiritual arena, is nothing more than witchcraft. Say it with me, witchcraft. Back in 2001 when 911 uh, took place, God gave me a prophetic word and I spoke it over this congregation. I said the walls of protection have come down and what you've seen in third world countries will begin to be seen in the United States within the near future. How many remember me saying that? I said demon possession, devil worship, witchcraft, enchantment, sorcery, familiar spirits and mediums will be, in our, be open within our very streets. That's what I prophesied. We're already beginning to see the dark days of the manifestation of the demonic realm. So what are we to do? What is our answer? We sit here to be afraid? We're going to cow down? Are we going to give in to the mob? Are we afraid to speak our mind because of what kind of political mess and persecution it may bring toward us? Are we going to quit worshiping? Come on, somebody help me. Before you answer, you better think about it. We had to do what Elijah done. He prayed earnestly. He called out to God. This 10 minute lay me down to sleep kind of praying ain't gonna get anything done, folks. When the church has run out of anything to say within five minutes of their praying, they've never learned how to pray. They've never been distressed enough. When the church loses their ability to intercede and supplicate for a nation, we've already lost the battle. When we can't spend some time in prayer, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to tell you, the Lord spoke to me, and he says it's a sad day when people spend more time summonsing the dead and praying to the dead than what the church does to be praying to me, the Almighty God. They spend hours summons the dead. They get down and do their chants and enchantments. They burn incense and invoke spirits to come upon them, and we can't take five minutes to sit down and bow our knee in a prayer meeting and pray until God intervenes and God comes down and, 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 and confirms to us that he's heard our prayers. Can I have an amen? It's getting quiet in here. The church is going to have to war in the heavenlies. The heavenlies is what sets the atmosphere on the earth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you bound on in heaven, uh, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I gave you the definition of this bind and loosening stuff some time ago. It is a judicial sense. Way back in the book of Zechariah, we talked about Joshua coming before the Lord and the accuser, the devil, came along also. Every time you approach the throne of God, the accuser, the father of lies, is there to accuse you before your heavenly father. And when you get there and he starts accusing you and if he's right, you are bound. And God cannot do anything on your behalf because the accusations made against you is right. You've been out doing things you shouldn't do and it's bound you in heaven. And when you're bound in heaven, guess what happens? God can't hear your plea until you get it under the blood. You are bound, bound, held over for trial. It's a, legit, it's a, it's a legal term. And when you're bound over for trial, that means uh, that God can't move on your behalf. God can't hear your prayer. God, David said it in Psalm 66 and 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord can't hear me. Come on. 
I can quote the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. That's the one that availeth much. The things that moves heaven is the man that is not bound when he gets there because the accusations the enemy saying about him is true. But when he gets there and he's covered under the blood, forgiven of all sin, he's loosed. And what does that do? It looses God to work on our behalf in the heavens. The devil then is becoming bound to what he can do in the heavens because we're loosing God to work on our behalf. Are you listening to me? Until we come in alignment with heaven, we will never be able to loose anything on the earth, nor will we be able to bind anything in the heavens. I'm here to tell you that the, that the activity in heaven is what sets the atmosphere on the earth. The activity in heaven is what sets the atmosphere on the earth. We come in here and many times there's different kinds of atmospheres. There's times I get up and try to preach and it's bound. It's like I'm pulling a, a, a freight train. It's like I got a wagon with everybody on it and everybody asleep. And then there's other times I can't even hardly preach because the anointing's just dripping on me. Amen? I ask you to choose the atmosphere you desire here today because you control the atmosphere. If we're ready and prayed up and we went into the throne room of God and we begin to come with open arms and adoration and we're making our petitions name and we prayed over that service and we've come in with holy expectation and we've aligned ourselves up to the will of God in heaven and the thing, the will of God in heaven is now beginning to be lived out with us here on the earth. All of a sudden, we are the change players. We change the atmosphere and the devil does not have a right to intercede. He's bound in heaven people ask all the time if Elijah knew it was going to rain why pray if he knew it why did he pray it's because he had to come in agreement with God in heaven before it could be manifested on the earth he had to align himself to the will of God and then he had to act out what he felt like was the will of God on earth before it ever even happened that's faith What are we doing? We're fighting and beating the air like the Apostle Paul said. To no avail. We're just fighting the circumstances. Devil stirs something up here. We try to put that fire out. He comes over here and he causes trouble. We try to cause peace here. And then before long, we're just fighting the circumstances. And, and, and all we're doing is beating in the air, having nothing accomplished. I'm here to tell you when a man of God or a woman God goes into the throne room of God and he supplicates and he intercedes, and he's clean and he's, who can ascend to the holy hill? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who's not sworn himself deceitfully, he shall receive the blessings forevermore. And when I come into that throne room having a pure heart and clean hands, I've got confidence that I've heard from God. I hear a rhema word from the Lord. I align myself up to the will of God in heavenly because I've come to understand something down here, folks. This battle down here is not mine. The battle up there is not even mine. All I got to do is go up there and align myself to the will of God. When I find out the will of God, I come down here and then I appropriate it and then I live it out and then I exercise it by faith whether I sense that it's happening or not. And then when I do, God fights my battles. Is anybody with this preacher here this morning? Am I making any sense to anybody at all? Let me ask you, Palace of Praise, are we going to sit around here 
and beat the wind. If the devil finds out afflicting your child is going to cause you to go off the deep end, he'll constantly afflict your child. If he thinks it'll distract you and get you off course of the will of God for your life and your ministry, he's always going to cause havoc in the areas that you respond and react to. I'm not being created to be a reactor or a puppet to the devil's set of circumstances that he may create by the culture of this day. Amen? Are we going to set the atmosphere or are we going to allow the devil to set the atmosphere? That's totally up to us. There are regions where there's demonic presence and it's for sure. I've, I've drove into town where you drive in and you feel the oppression. The city's dark. Come on. Why? Because over that region... There's prince and powers of air that's in control who have set the atmosphere because there's not churches manifesting the will of God in heaven on the earth and they not intercede to where God bound the strong man over the city. It's not your job to bind the strong man. It's God's job. We just yield. Amen. I choose to start right here in Papa Bluff and we're fixing to make havoc on the kingdom of darkness. And the devil thinks he's winning, but he's not. He is not going to win. He has not taken our schools. He's not gonna take our children's minds. He's not gonna take our church away from us. He's not gonna take our city away from us. He's not gonna take our region. I declare by faith, I've heard from God. I'm interceding on God's be- on the behalf of the church and I believe that God is about to bind the strong man and we're fixing to feel the, electronic, the electricity of the anointing of God flowing through the veins of believers and the believers are gonna rise and shine and they're gonna be more anointed than they've ever been and they're gonna bring down the strong Lord forces. Amen. Hey. Then why does it seem like the evil prevails everywhere? Because of what Second Chronicles or Second Corinthians 4 and 4 says. Most of you can quote that. Whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is in the image of God should shine upon them. What does that reveal? The atmosphere is set by the devil, the God of this world, because people haven't believed. But if they would have believed, guess what would have happened? He promises. We don't even pay attention to the scripture and dissect it. If we believe, then the glorious God, the glorious light of Jesus Christ, who's in the image of God, would shine upon us. (laughs) The devil's agenda will advance when the body of Christ does not believe and appropriate and operate and come in alignment to God's will in heaven. When we come in agreement with God and we manifest it on earth, we set the atmosphere. Matter of fact, we're having a prayer meeting on September the 26th. Next Saturday, I think it is. I don't know what the date is. I just exist from day to day sometimes. What is the date? It's next Saturday the 26th. Well, I thought so. Is it September or October? (laughs) (laughs) Next week, Saturday night, Franklin Graham 
has called for a nationwide prayer meeting and he is going to take as many as he can to Washington, D.C. and they're going to get a line up on the streets. And where there's rioting and all that going on, he's going to say, if they can write, we can pray. And as many as can can join us. Those that can't, please be praying in their communities. We got a national leader that's called for a special time of prayer. I can't respond to everybody that does that, but I want to tell you something. The Spirit of the Lord hit me and said, this is a crucial time, and that day is a special day. And he said, get the church to pray. So we're having a prayer meeting. We're going to have it outside. If the weather's permitting, bring you a lawn chair. You don't have to always kneel. You can sit. You can walk. You can walk around the church and pray. We're going to start at 6 o'clock. I'm not going to have all these special places to go to or give great direction. We're praying for our nation and we're praying for us to repent and whatever's binding us to get it out of the way so God can use us as we get into the heavenlies and we be loosed to where he can work on our behalf to where his atmosphere can change the earth. That's what we're praying for. This is all about that right now. I want to tell you I'm challenging this church to get serious of where we're at. If we don't get serious, there is no hope. If the salt has lost its flavor or his saltness, we're in, shall it be salted. How's the life going to be preserved? Come on. If we hide our light under a bushel, how can it reach others? This church has got to rise up, folks. We're not just here to play church and get the thrills of Pentecost and follow a leader just to have good services. We got a mandate. We got an assignment. We're here to make a difference in our country. We're here to make a difference in our land. We're here to take the gates of hell by storm. Can I have an amen? Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then why is it prevailing against it? There's only one reason. We are not as spiritual as we think we are. And we need to repent. And when we come into this place, Everybody's saying, what new program are you going to do for 2021? What, what new theme are you going to have? Where, what direction does the church need? And God just spoke to me this week and said, you don't need a program. You don't need lights. You don't need anything. What you need is to get the church to align up to the will of God. Let me set the atmosphere of that church. And when I set the atmosphere of that church, you'll see a flood of revival like you have never seen before because it's not by power, nor by might, nor by ingenuity or anything else. It's by my spirit the Lord. We got to return back to yielding ourselves over to the will of God in heaven and performing it on earth, proclaim it and speak it and declare it and live it and shout it and share it and love it and practice it. We've got to do it whether we see it come to pass right off the bat or not. We just keep fighting. We just keep war. We don't fight with the opposition. We just fight with doing what we know to do within our spirits to what God has mandated upon us. Would you stand with me, please?